0: Hey friends, this is the Women Speaking Truth podcast. I am so happy that you are here with us. My name is Galen and I'm here with my friend, Andy. Hey
1: you guys, welcome to the conversation. We really want you guys to feel a part of it.
0: We are women who are fiercely focused on God, um, and that is something that we do together in community by gathering around Scripture to see what it is that God wants to teach us, how it intersects with our just everyday, normal, ordinary lives, um, and really, we want to discover as a community where he's calling us um, and and how to live with intention and purpose every single day. Well, seriously, Galen,
1: for me, I could say this with a whole lot of truth. If I'm not going to live as a woman fiercely focused on God through his word, I'm going to be adrift. Mm. That's just the facts of it. And you know, the thing, sometimes I know that I'm drifting. A lot of times I don't, Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we don't want to be women who spiritually drift. We don't have to be, we're going to be women who are anchored seriously. Mm. Like the proof will be in the pudding as we often get it wrong. Galen, often. see, because the thing is, it's like, if we're fiercely focused on God, we're making it like making the spiritual grade that's so just not true and the guy that we're going to look at today is like the epitome of in the bible a guy who man do we call him a man of faith rightfully so galen he stunk like Mm -hmm. it, it, it did not go well for him because he is just like you and me Like flawed human, broken, right? Has his own desires and appetite control, can't see the end. So, I hope today we come out of this conversation really encouraged that wherever we are, today is a day to live faith ish toward God. And I want to talk about this word faith ish later. So, Galen, um, we're going to be talking about our man, Moses. As we're gonna look at him in Hebrews eleven, so before we get there, uh where I know this feels like left field, but friends, you're gonna see the tie-in in a second. Galen, where did you grow up, and who were your mom and dad? Who's your family, and how did that influence you? Do you think?
0: Oh, that's a great question. So I grew up in Maryland. Um, beautiful area. It's called Solomon's Island. Is well, that's the most well-known town. The town I actually grew up in. The name was Lesby, Maryland. Wait,
1: did you actually grow up on an island, like by not, the coast?
0: Well, not on an island per se. <laughs> Galen of the Island.
1: It's. Like I wish. As a movie coming soon to theaters near you.
0: Yeah, it'd be pretty boring. <laughs> So um, where I grew up, there was just a very small island. And literally, you cross over a bridge, and that little trickle of water that went from one side, which was the Chesapeake Bay, and it trickled under this bridge over to the Patuxent River, that's what made it an island. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you grew up by the coast. I did. I grew up um, right by the Chesapeake Bay and then the Patuxent River. We had beaches. What are you
1: calling this river? Patuxent. Patuxent. Patuxent
0: Patuxent Patuxent. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Um, so it was a beautiful place to grow up. Um, it was not real busy. It was about maybe 50 miles South of DC so we could get to DC quickly. Um, but the water and like the outdoor activities, it was just, it was a great place to grow up. Cool. Um, so my dad was an engineer. My mom was a nurse, um, and I have two older sisters. So I'm the baby of the family. And I would absolutely say that, you know, like anybody else, um, the way I was raised strongly shaped who I am. Um, and my, my parents are both, uh, we've talked about the enneagram before. They're both ones. Oh my goodness! Which means that Lord they are—they <laughs> <laughs> are very um, black and white, very logical, very analytical, very um, perfectionist. You know, they really pushed me to be the best that I could be, mm-hmm. um, and probably one of the defining things that I will always remember, and I'm super grateful for, mm-hmm. um, is a question that my dad would ask. And so we would ask to do things like I always wanted to go to youth group. I I didn't want to go to youth group because I wanted to, you know, be in church. I wanted to go to youth group because I knew that they would play boys. basketball for an hour. Oh, basketball! Oh no, I didn't. Other B word. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> I was so competitive. I just loved being able to go oh. and play basketball. So, I would ask, "Can I do this?" Um, and my dad, instead of saying, um, his response was always, "Well, Galen, what's right about doing that?" Wow. And I'm oh like, my there's goodness, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, why, why are you pushing back? And he's like, yes, but how's that going to add value to your life? Holy Toledo. And that question, like, right. I'm super grateful that he asked that because I'm rolling my eyes. I'm know, not like, know, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, I think it's, I, uh, as a kid, I hated it. Uh, of course. But what it has done in my life is pushed me to constantly think about what am I doing how is it affecting my life? Like what, what are the effects of the decisions and choices that I'm making? And it's pushed me to live with much greater intentionality and to constantly be looking to how can I make things better? Wow. Um, so it really has very strongly shaped me.
1: That's amazing.
0: So that's why I said it was amazing. Yeah. Even though I hated it as yeah. a teenager. Yeah. Like no, rolling I was my eyes. Oh, really for down. sure.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so funny.
0: Okay. What about you? Where'd you grow up?
1: Well, I'm a Los Angeles girl. I am California through and through and not just California. You know, have you know, uh, I'm sorry. Have you heard that term like Valley girl? Yes. It's me. Like I am the epitome (sighs) of Valley girl. I see it. I grew up in the Valley. So to have clarity. So the Valley is this huge pocket Of a valley. Galen, it's huge. You don't even know you're in a valley because you can't really see one mountain to the other. But just on the other side of one of those mountains was my little teeny tiny town called Simi Valley, which is still a valley. Uh and I have two older brothers. I'm also the baby of the family only girl. And a mom and dad who, up until a few months ago when my mom passed away, were still married for 49 years, wow. 11 months, and one week. Maybe two <gasps> weeks. I think it's two weeks. So I think they were 10 days away, actually, from their 50th anniversary. Oh, and amazing. the thing is, Galen, they still seriously loved one another pretty ridiculously. So that didn't happen though, until my parents accepted Christ, which was much later Mm. in their life, uh, when I was a teenager, early teenager. So it's weird because I have this two pronged version of life. One is before, uh, I accepted Christ first, then a brother, then my mom, then my dad, then my mom. All within probably six months of each other. So I have this version of pre Christ where life was chaotic, disturbing, home was hell. Nobody liked each other, Galen. Um, And frankly, I just didn't want to be there uh, for many, many, many reasons. Because God came. So powerfully to us individually, as we accepted Christ, and then my mom and dad doing that so closely together i 'm talking a marriage transformed Wow, we were not a family that talked about things, and uh, we really didn't therefore know how to talk about these changes that God was doing in us if so we didn't it, but we knew they had happened, and we were experiencing the blessing of God and our family and uh, so, yeah, growing up was this two prong thing which in the last podcast, I do remember talking about this duplicitous life mm. that even is has shaped the family structure was like one side of the coin without christ than another with not a bunch of merging or explanation for the both um yeah lots of mistakes lots of stupidity um but because and we'll get into it in another podcast because there was a gaping bleeding hole in my life i needed god um Hmm. deeply and the things that I had to hope in, I knew they would not see me through. I knew it was useless. I'm talking at eight years old. It's useless mm-hmm. to expect fulfillment or happiness uh, or completeness in my life in X or Y or Z. I knew Jesus was for me and that I was for him. So even from a young teenager Even though my life didn't shape out well with choices I made, I loved Jesus because he truly first loved me. Um, So yeah, that's I'm a California girl with um, lots to be grateful for.
0: Mm. And we have to dig into that at some point. Yeah, we'll dig. We'll dig into it. You've got to share more of that story. It's pretty amazing.
1: It's been cool to see what God can do with Mm. very... Um, a very broken, jacked up girl being me. So yeah, one day. One day.
0: (laughs) One day. So
1: where do we go, Galen? Where have we been, first of all?
0: So we've been talking about a lot of, I guess, what you would call tensions with faith. Um, We've been talking about things that we can see in our lives that are kind of symptoms of where we haven't fully committed to having faith in the power and the promises of God in our lives. Um, so places like fear, um, failures, uh, excuses, we've talked a lot about this in relation to Moses. Um, and so now we've kind of shifted gears and we're talking about, okay, what is faith? Um, last week, we tried to really define and and set that foundation for the next parts of our conversation, which are talking about what is faith actually, what does it look like Um, and what does it produce in my life? Um, So what are the, you know, what are the symptoms or what is the fruit of, um, of actually clinging to that faith or Mm. faith being the substructure of our lives? That's
1: a great question. I have spent a lot of time asking what's in it for me Mm. if I live by faith like, really, Galen, because this life of faith, I rightly or wrongly assume it's difficult. Right. It's not intuitive. It's counterintuitive. I don't operate by my human desires or what comes out of me naturally. That's not a life of faith. A life of faith is death, uh, spiritual death. Uh, to Andrea Bruce, a decision to put me last or an intent to put me last in order to put God and others around me first. Galen, that's not such a beautiful picture of a lifestyle. And I know for me, my question has been, what makes it worth it? You know what I mean? I do. And that question, I think somewhat is going to be what we touch on today as we talk about this identity that you're going to take us, this idea of identity that you'll take us into. So I think we'll keep touching on that because really... Uh, A person can't just answer that question. Instead, it's one that we wrestle with at individual levels. But I want to at least put it out there because it is a worthy question to be asking as we dig into how do we as women live a true life of faith, which we talked about last time defining it as a ridiculous, confident belief in God's power and promises in our everyday lives. Like those are the handles. Mm -hmm. If we kind of picture uh, holding on on a roller coaster, you know, you hold on to the handles. One handle is God's power is going to be there. It's working for me. It's for my good. It's for his good. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the good that's going to come in the next life to come. For those who are in Christ, it's heaven. The other handle is his promises are not going to fail me. His promises are actually going to work out for me. He's not void or doesn't, he's not forgetful about his promise. They will stand firm and true in my life. And if that's true, Galen, I'm going to obey him no matter what he asks. I'm not going to obey him if I'm like, you're not going to come through. You're not doing anything. How do I know it's going to work out for me? I, I will deeply hesitate to obey whatever god puts in front of me but it's a game changer if i'm like i believe he is powerful toward me and i believe he will fulfill his promises toward me in my everyday life i'll obey him or at least be much more inclined so galen how do you want us to start
0: so we've been a little bit in Hebrews 11, and so let's start there. Uh, that's, I think, the most obvious place for us to start. Um, and so as we were talking last week, we started in Hebrews 11.1. 1, we were talking about defining faith, what it is. And so, you know, this whole chapter then begins to break down example after example after after example of people in the Bible who define faith who were a picture of faith yeah and so i was super curious when i started digging into it i'm like okay i gotta know what what they say about moses because that's just where god has had me for so long um and so if we jump down to verse 23 that's really where it starts and and as usual you know i read one verse and i didn't get very far i got i think i maybe halfway into the second verse before something really grabbed me yeah um and and that's part of what we were talking about a few minutes ago is this idea of identity and where we're from. Um, so I'm just going to start in verse 23. By faith, Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, I have to read that again because this is where I stopped. Yeah. He refused, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's weird. Right. Like, think about the leverage that that would bring to I'd you. I'd be like,
1: excuse me, I am Andrea, the daughter of Pharaoh. Just, and I would repeat, like, make a badge. So this is <laughs> Don't interesting. Don't you know who
0: I am? Right.
1: <laughs> and can you imagine yeah. what he would receive bearing that? Right. Uh, it, it's done. Right. It's like, roll out the red carpet. Here comes Moses, the son of Pharaoh. Right. What on earth? What did you notice? What were your questions? Where do we go from here?
0: So that just grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and give it away, the bottom line. And and really what the bottom line is in this verse is that faith confirms that our identity is not our name that we grew up with, um, where we're from, our job, our, what we produce. It's not any of those things. Our identity is a children of God. And so that's what faith does. It takes us from a place of, um, saying this is who I am to, this is who I am as a child of God. Um, and so faith confirms that our identity is that we are children of God. Because just to clarify verse 24, it was by
1: faith. Yep. Like through faith, th- by faith, of faith, uh, Moses refused to be called Pharaoh's, um, be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So that means, isn't it weird? It was not just a decision, it was not a moral thing. It was not a social standing thing. It was the working of God in him, even before God had come to him, mm-hmm. which shows us a lot that there was something that Moses was determining because of what God was doing in his life mm-hmm. of like I'm not this person anymore, I am something different. yeah, how do you think that looks uh I think we could see it all through the Bible, right, Galen? Mm-hmm. That people are like, "That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation." Yeah. Is that what you mean? This idea of
0: identity? I do. I do. I think that that is, you know, my question when I first, when that first kind of hit me, thinking about faith changing your identity. Um, I was, I started thinking, why is identity so important? I, you know, what is it about identity that feels so significant to us yeah. like if i were the son of or the daughter of pharaoh then i would want to be proud of that and talk about it and display it yeah um and i guess the best example that i can think of practically this was the picture that i got was um you know you think about like a brand name mhm and you think about how people who buy that brand name they've bought into the brand right and so they buy that brand because they want it to identify them right as a certain type of person right and and so i think the reason why that is so significant and why it applies to this is when we identify ourselves as children of god we literally dress differently like we we begin to try to identify with characteristics that will tell people who we are.
1: Because that's what we do. Because right? that's what we do. Whoever we perceive ourselves to be on the inside inevitably reflects something of us on the outside. Like if I think I'm um no something cute to look at or drab or don't have much to offer, it will just be reflected on the outside. Mm -hmm. If I think I am the opposite of that and like flashy and people ought to notice me and I'm a benefit to others, you'll see it by reflected in physically. Mm -hmm. So you're saying then that as children of God, this faith deposit in us, this life of faith, it's not simply a characteristic. It's a non-negotiable as a child of God. It will be like a brand like clothing and how we display ourselves reflected on the outside. Is that what you're saying?
0: That's exactly what I'm saying.
1: And that's a lot to swallow Galen.
0: I know it's a lot because
1: I want to naturally compartmentalize faith. Right. And be like, it's just like one of the other fruits of the Spirit, which I get they ought to be reflected. Um, but whereas God grows the fruit of the Spirit, this is a different thing. Faith, I'm not sure. And and I, I'm just trying out a hypothesis, okay? So correct me, seriously, Galen, where I'm wrong. And if you're a friend on the other end who's like, ooh, seriously, let's have a... Cu- You get to respond back in some ways uh, through comments and that kind of thing. But Galen, faith is a non-negotiable. Right. It's non-negotiable. Now, goodness is a reflection. It grows out of the Spirit of God growing in my life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. There's this aspect of faith that is a dividing line between those who are children of God and those who aren't. Right, right, right. And And if we don't get that, we don't get identity in Christ. Exactly. Oh, that's hard, Galen, because I want to relegate it as less valuable than this. Does that make sense? That's what Mm -hmm. I mean by compartmental, like lower the standard. That's what my flesh would want to do. Right. So that it does not have to have, it doesn't have to do what faith naturally does when I submit it to the Holy Spirit. Right. You know what I mean? I want to say control and master faith and just be like no it's fine. I'm full of faith when really I'm not. Mm. Do you like I I'm do. I'm struggling it's, here.
0: It's because so... I
1: don't want to have to be um my flesh doesn't want to be accountable mm-hmm. to what faith biblically defined actually is.
0: Because I think, you know, you say we want <laughs> to we, we compartmentalize it and we do because it's hard because faith changing our identity, then what faith does in our lives is what we what we talked about a little bit before. It puts us in a place where we have faith and we will obey whatever it is that God tells us to do. Mm -hmm. And that is terrifying. It is. It's terrifying to think that I am, I can't just push that away and say, you know, we've talked about this before. I've already said yes. Mm -hmm. Once I say yes to surrender to Christ, once faith is the substructure of my life, when God tells me, go do this, I have to, I have to, because I said yes. Yes.
1: Because that is what faith looks like in motion. That is
0: what faith looks like in motion. Compared to,
1: so let's compare that to a faith that is not in motion. It doesn't mean there's not salvation. It's that faith is not probably yielded to God and in motion. Uh, Faith would say, well, I know God asked me to do this, but here's the four really big reasons why I can't. And I think God gets that. And therefore I get myself off the hook as if obedience is optional. Galen, I seriously don't think that faith feels like obedience is optional faith is like whatever he says is what I do because I love and honor him versus a life that is not faith filled and fueled says I know God's asking me to do something and here are the reasons why or I don't know if God's asking me to do something because I'm not with him or I don't care if God's asking me to do something um this is a stark difference uh it's not faith is not something to compartmentalize no particularly like last time we talked about Hebrews 11:6 it's like faith is what pleases god mm-hmm. it's what pleases him and if we want to be and i think we do women who please god it is a life of faith can i just say one more thing here mm-hmm. so as i've been uh with Melissa if you're on truth groups you know exactly who Melissa is Melissa leads truth groups with me we've been looking at faith the problem galen that we've run into with this whole thing galen <laughs> i think there's a lot of evidence that we including me have said I am to live a life before God that is faithful. Galen, just be faithful. I know you're going through hard stuff, but you know what? Just be faithful to God, which is not veering away, right? It's this standard that we're saying, and scripture calls us to it. Galen, be faithful. This is a call of scripture, but Galen, I think, I think in this effort to be faithful, which means not veering away, but kind of not going crazy that it has in our effort to be faithful to God. Maybe we've gotten ourselves off the hook of being faith filled. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, contrast, both of them faithful means not going far off track. It means staying temperate. Mm. It means kind of being vanilla. Um, It means being consistent, right? Steady. Steady. Yeah. I'm not sure faith is the same thing. I don't see that in these examples in Hebrews 11. I don't see steady. I don't see Moses playing it safe, which is kind of what we've relegated faithful to be. Galen, just don't go crazy. Be temperate and be steady. I don't know that God calls me to be... um, this thing that we've defined it today is faithful. I think it means Andrea Bruce be filled mm-hmm. with faith. I'm not sure that, do you see what I mean? I, I get myself off the hook by yeah. being like, Andy, just be con- consistent, meaning status quo so that right. I'm not in the wrong. This is almost the opposite in some regard of faith filled and fueled.
0: So I keep getting this mental picture coming to mind and maybe it'll make sense and maybe it won't. But I have this picture of kind of what you're saying. And I'm picturing this river, right? And it's, it's flowing along. It's going fast. There are rocks. There maybe are some waterfalls, things like that. Um, God's movement. You know, he is moving. He is working. And I have this picture of if we are faithful, maybe I'm in the river. I've said yes to God. I'm in that river. And I am holding on to a rock as hard as I can. Right. Right. And I'm just staying there. Because I'm like, I'm going to cling to the I'm truth. I'm going to be faithful. Of God's word. I'm going to be steady. And I'm going to stay right here. Right. Because it's
1: safe. Because it's safe. And because safe. I, an onlooker can't say, hey, you're not in the river. Oh,
0: I'm in the river. I'm in the river. I'm absolutely in the river. And I'm hanging on for dear life right here. I'm not going anywhere. Or I'm lounging on the rock. I'm right. in the
1: river enough. You can't say that's not in the river.
0: Right. Versus this idea of God's work moving and shifting and breaking things up and moving us forward into his calling. The current of the spirit moving us. The of the spirit. And when I let go of that rock and and say, no, I'm going to be faith-filled. That Mm -hmm. I'm going to let God's calling and his movement take me in obedience to where he is going. That is the difference.
1: Oh, Galen, that feels like a relief. I mean, this idea of being faithful because I'm in the river Galen, I think we might be in error as women, as people. And and I'm, I'm saying this because of this, I'm saying how many times have I said to you, Galen, I think God's just asking me to be faithful. That's not wrong in and of itself. You're in the river. You know what I mean? (laughs) And your intent is not wrong however i think this idea of steady eddie status quo and not going on so has robbed us of this i principle of being faith fueled faith filled which mm-hmm. galen i don't think they're the same thing so i wanted to cross that bridge for us as just like a heads up do mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. because um uh, can I talk about something for a second, Galen? Mm-hmm. It's kind of off topic, but it is in this vein of faithful versus faith-filled. So you want to roll with my punch for a second? I
0: will roll with your punch. Oh. Galen,
1: it's not cool. Mm-hmm. So as I've been looking into this thing um, at, with this recognition of this differentiation between faithful and which is a bit status quo, just don't mess it up, Andy. Don't have something to be pegged and guilty of versus faithful, which is like a reckless abandon to what the spirit wants come hell or high water, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what. Yeah. So I've been praying personally as I'm looking at this idea of faith and asking God, like, what do you see in me? You, I am a woman of faith because I'm in Christ. And therefore he has given me a measure of faith. It's like we talked about last time. It is my substructure. It is my desire. So I've been asking God, where am I living faithful, safe, and therefore um, misguided, uh, disillusioned? that I'm actually... Because here's the problem. It's like, oh, Galen, I'm living faith-filled because I'm being faithful. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Yeah. So I've been asking God, God, would you nurture and would you teach me to nurture the faith that you've already deposited in me? Hmm. Like, would you do something with the faith in me? Because I'm trying basically to manage like the rock, the person holding onto the rock or sunbathing in my feet or dangling in the river, manage faith so that I'm quote-unquote faithful rather than faith-filled. For me, I'm not saying for everybody because we're called to both. I'm not saying for everybody that we're doing this. I'm saying I'm watching it happen to people around me of like, oh, Galen, I think we might be off base on this. Mm -hmm. So God, would you teach me to nurture the faith you've already given me Because typically I would just be like, God, will you give me faith? And I think he's like, baby, I already have. And you're choosing safe. And really the reason I'm choosing safe is because I love myself more than I think I do. And I'm choosing my own safety because I love myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this is what I've been praying for. Not long, but three, maybe four weeks. God, would you nurture and would you teach me to nurture the faith that you've already given me so galen something really bad happened it it did not go great oh. today's a sunday so it wasn't today it was um last sunday okay. a week ago today oh galen so part of this prayer has been god would you teach me to nurture the faith you've already given me in other words he's already given it to me galen instead of me being like i expect you to give me more no Nope, God steward my heart so that I'm a good steward of the faith you've already given me. So with that, I'm like, God, oh, I'm thinking, oh, Galen. So to move in faith means to obey when I sense the spirit asking me to. And I'm sort of playing games in the last few weeks of like, oh, well, what if he asked me to do this? Like, well, what could it look like if I'm asking God to do things with the faith he's given me? It's gonna result in, I think, obeying him when he gives me. You know what I mean? Yes. And I don't like it. So last Sunday, our church is open. Uh, There's certainly COVID-19 because right now it's November. Oh, no, it's end of October. October, So we're in 2020. We're abiding by it's super cool. There's masks. It's great. There's social distancing. It's kind of weird, but it's what church is for us right now at my local body. And my pastor was super sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he came out after a set of worship, and he said, gang, and we were supposed to take communion. Were you there, Galen?
0: I wasn't, no.
1: He said, we were supposed to take communion, but roll with me, because rather than that, I sensed the Holy Spirit about 20 minutes ago leading me to talk to you guys about a certain local body thing. And he brought it up, and it was a touchy subject, mm. and it was not Easy to hear. And Galen, at least for me, I could tell you, I sensed God deeply in it. And it was gracious and it felt precious like precious. And I think as a church, we got it. And toward the end of his probably 10 minutes of talking about this, Galen, my heart was beating so hard, I could feel it pulsating in my ears. You know what I mean? I'm not just saying my heart was beating like a drum. I'm saying it was, I felt overcome. Wow. My upper lip was kind of starting to sweat. I'm literally, I don't sweat. Uh, I felt overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And I sensed we as a church are supposed to respond galen i'm sitting there with my family three rows back i am not a i'm not on staff i don't have a place i you know what i mean yeah and i'm sensing like oh god this is faith and i have already said to you multiple times whatever you ask me to do next my answer is yes whether it makes sense to me and even if I can determine a good outcome or I can determine like a bad outcome or something unseen, I don't know how this is going to go. This might not go great. I'm going to, I might look really stupid. I might Galen be flat wrong and fall on my face publicly because sometimes that's what faith can look like for me and for you and for others. Yeah. And it felt like all of that came to a crossroad of, oh, God, please. Okay. And I wasn't saying no. I was like, oh, no. Oh, gracious. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't a no, I won't do this. It's oh, great.
0: I really (laughs) don't want to do this.
1: So I was... Just I gave it a, a minute, and mm-hmm. I gave it two minutes, and I gave it three minutes, and I was like, oh, no. So right then, they played this bumper video, which is typically like a 90-second video that transitions for our service into the talk. My heart was pounding, and I chose, because the lights kind of go down, to run up really quick to Jeremy, my pastor, on stage and say, Jeremy, I think as a church, we're supposed to respond to this, and he's looking at me like... open. He was super duper duper open. Yeah. (laughs) And I threw out a couple ideas and he's looking at me and I was like, "Mm." the lights came back on. So I rushed right back to my chair and sat down and my family's looking at me like, mom, what did you just do? And I'm like, I don't know. But I sat there totally distracted for almost the rest of service. Just thinking, God, I don't know if I got faith right this time. Like Galen, that's the problem, but here's what I do know, Galen, and I'm not saying it's beneficial. I know that I sensed I was supposed to, right? Like, and I knew it was going to be as messy as basically possible in that setting, but Galen, I, here's the only silver lining. I did it. Like
0: you, you did it. You obeyed. I
1: did. And nothing came of it. You know what I mean? And even this morning sitting there before church, uh, which by the way, I did apologize. I meet with him and a couple other guys on Tuesdays. So the following Tuesday, I was like, Jeremy, and I didn't give him all this backstory of like I feel like I was supposed to I said, Jeremy, hey, please forgive me because um by the way, Galen, what I'm not saying is I regret doing it. I don't. I am saying I said, Jeremy, please forgive me for distracting you Mm. in the flow. Um, And then this morning before church, I sent him a quick text saying, Hey, just so you know, if you need somebody to come distract you in the middle of service, I'm your girl. (laughs) Ha ha ha. But Galen, my point is sometimes we get faith really right. Mm. Sometimes we get it really wrong. I don't know which one this is. All I know is like, I want to be a woman who's willing to do the thing. Mm. But where's the line, Galen, of doing this without recklessness right. and res- doing it in responsibility? Praise the Lord, there wasn't a repercussion where there was yucky or damage. There wasn't. You right. know what I mean? He was like, for six seconds, like, oh, okay, it, it, there's right. no damage done. No. But, Galen, do you have an answer for us? Like, how do I know how to not be reckless? When it comes to faith, I think first we obey what the Bible says every time. Right. And in my case, there's nothing that says I can't be, f- sense the Holy Spirit and just whisper something to my pastor. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right.
1: But I don't like this thing, Galen. It's not safe, mm. it's far more about God. I'm concerned about how I look in the midst of it. You know what I mean? Right. I want to be concerned about how God looks. Are there any other things that you feel like safeguard faith and moving in faith for you and for us that you would share?
0: I think that um, obviously being very grounded in scripture. I mean, that is that's what God tells us is that we have to, you know, kind of what you alluded to. When we are doing something in faith, it it can't be outside the bounds of what scripture tells us that we should or shouldn't do. Um, And I think this idea of being obedient in faith, um, the Bible does give us specific scriptures that talk about, hey, if you are living in faith, if you are identifying as a child of God, this is what that looks like. And I think that... um, you know, knowing that that's how God describes what it looks like for us to be his children, um, that knowing that and putting our trust in that is so important to safeguard, um, you know, our obedience in faith. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It's interesting that you use that word children, too, because children are kind of ignorant because of obvious reasons and doesn't it feel sometimes like when we are moving in faith that's kind of what it feels like is ignorant naive unaware uncertain of the outcome um shifting like faith when we're in the hot seat and get to move into it being invited into god's story with it galen it's not what it's cracked up to be as far as the feeling that we can have it could be this overwhelming terrifying Mm. um, embarrassing feeling Mm. a friend of ours her face turns blotchy bright red when she is moving with God and typically opening her mouth of like I think this is what I'm supposed to interject here Mm for you i know that you have felt like this even these days moving in faith in a relationship where it's it feels counterintuitive and against the grain yeah. um and i feel like oftentimes it feels like i'm desperately holding on to the rock when because it feels funky um instead of moving down a river um and that Difference is choosing to not be in control. You know what I mean? I think that's why it feels so funky.
0: And it feels, it can be messy. It can be complicated. It can be, um, it can not produce the outcome that we would expect or that we would see. Right. Um, and I think we talked about that before, knowing that sometimes God asks us to do something out of obedience that it's like he told Moses. Hey, you're going to do this out of obedience to me. You're going to tell them I sent you, you're going to go, I'm going to give you the words to say. And guess what? Pharaoh's going to say no, no, um, do it anyway.
1: Yeah. I remember stepping out in something that I've kind of alluded to about five years ago. I've just, it was a serious, it was like a tricky faith. And, um, I know a friend told me that's exactly what it's supposed to feel like. Because I'm like, this feels so counterintuitive. Isn't this yeah. um, a sign, if you want to use that word, that it's like <laughs> wrong? And my friend's like, this is exactly because you're letting God have more control than, um, than you are. So if you're in that boat, we want to encourage you. Yeah. Um, the current of the spirit is the safest spiritual place we will ever find ourselves Talk about counterintuitive, Galen. Yeah. And holding on to the rock is life draining as far as the spirit of God moving in our life. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Galen. It's okay for us to feel like this is all wonky. Uh rather than we've got it all together. Um, so I want to be surrounded by women like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who are like, Andy, let go let go of the rock and okay, you're going to get it wrong. And to be like my pastor, who's like, okay, I don't know what that was. And I'm like, I don't know either, but I think as far as God is concerned, I would do it that way again. You know, yeah. it yeah. stinks because it's not cut and dry.
0: It never is. Um, but I want to be where the movement of the spirit is. Yeah, And that's what we want as as women who are who want to be women who are fiercely focused on God. Yeah. So.
1: Not easy. Not easy. And not about us. And not about us. But God will do it even when we get it wrong. I don't know if I was wrong or right, Galen. Um, but I did know it was far more about Jesus than it was about me in the moment. That's all I know. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So um, thanks for listening, you guys. We're going to continue the conversation about Moses uh, next episode. We can't wait. Galen's got some phenomenal stuff for us. So uh, see you at our next podcast. See you guys. See you, friends.